0: Welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Tiger Cast. Not very often we have a show after a loss, let alone a heavy and shocking loss as we did last week. Uh, so I feel sorry for the two gentlemen who have come on board tonight. One of them we've just discovered is a potential bad luck charm, but we'll, uh, we'll go to that <laughs> later on. Um, first of all, welcome Cotro to the show. Welcome back, mate.
1: Thanks, Michael's. Thanks, everyone. Good to be back.
0: And you may or may not be the bad luck charm we speak of. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure we'll be fine this Yeah, week. my
1: second second time on second big surprise loss so yeah. yeah i might be banned from now on
0: no that's all hopefully we can turn it around this week and uh and get you back on again after a win which would be nice <laughs> and our second guest for tonight is a first timer on the show rock jobster 0312 welcome to the show thanks for having me sure now i i'm I know I've only got one other person to actually ask this question to, but surely I'm not the only one who sings in their head Rock Lobster every time they see your username. I'm sure a lot of
2: other people do that. <laughs> well, well, I'm glad you do. That's the inspiration behind it. Um, the, the username that I wanted was uh, sadly taken by someone who I don't think's ever posted uh, on the forum. So I just happened to have the old B-52s classic playing at the time and you know, a bit of inspiration hit and that's all uh, she wrote.
0: So it wasn't the Peter Griffin family guy version.
2: Well, no, that sort of was a, a nice, um, They might have actually got me in, in, interested back in the B-52s in the first place, to be honest, but uh, no, the the old, uh, the classic, um, yeah, was the inspiration behind it.
0: Fair enough. And since it's your first time on the show, we'll find out a little bit more about yourself. How did you become a Tiger supporter?
2: Uh, like a lot of uh, other Richmond fans, it's sort of a, a family uh, inheritance, if you will, my my uh, my brother and and father and I are all uh, Richmond supporters, and on the female side, my sister and uh, sorry, two sisters and and mother are Hawthorne supporters. So had no choice in the matter. And um, whilst you know you can argue having been born in in the late eighties and and Hawthorn's uh, success from that point on, um, I I can't uh, can't say I'm disappointed.
0: Yeah, that that's a bit unlucky. They would have given you a fair bit of stick, especially in recent history as well when they. Racked up four flags, but at least you got one back, so at least we've had our time.
2: Yeah, the AFL grand final DVD collection is a little lopsided at the moment in my family, unfortunately. <laughs> you left and at least a we beat copies. them all the time, and e- even know. when they were good, so that helps. <laughs> yeah, no, the, that's uh, the one glimmer of uh, yeah positivity through it all.
0: I remember there was one game, because my wife's Hawthorne, um, a Hawthorne supporter, and we went to a game... And I think it was the, it was the game where they were about 50 points up, and we come back and won. And prior to the game, she's like, "Oh, all right, we, we won't give each other shit because m- maybe I took it too far a couple of times that might have happened." I was like, "Yeah, no worries, no worries." So they get 50 points up, and she all of a sudden starts teeing off on me. I'm like, "Oh, I'll, I'll sit here and take it." And then when we come back, my god, did I
2: unleash! It was what a great game oh. that was. <laughs> <laughs> Revenge be- uh, dish best served cold.
0: Yes, absolutely. All right, we'll get stuck into it. Before we talk about the game last week, I want to do the same segment we did last week, which, which was the three things we learnt from round two. So, Kocha, I'll start with you. What were the three things you learnt from round
1: two? Right, so number one, um, I reckon our backs are fine. Um, so, obviously, we didn't have Rancy down there, and I was interested to see um, how we were going to go before the game, uh, and I thought that we stood up really well. Um ironically, the one area on the ground where we were probably a bit worried, we were fine, and everywhere else we were absolutely crap. So that was interesting. Um, the second thing is that Essendon are absolutely shit, and their fans <laughs> would have to be the most deluded fans in the comp. Is fantastic.
0: <laughs> what, what makes you say so that? Um,
1: well, the, the ratio of um, pre-season build-up to their... In season performances is just off the charts, so it's it's brilliant. I love it.
0: Did you uh, Did you happen to see the Twitter video during the rounds of someone burning their Essendon membership on the stove?
1: I, I I just saw a still of it. I didn't actually see the um the footage, but isn't that brilliant? Isn't that turned around it's from what us we used to be the... yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> And did you catch the footage of I think it was Guelphie and uh, Langford running past the ball and
1: running off. Right in the middle
2: of (laughs) the play. I watched it live and I
1: was just laughing. I mean, both teams were as poor as each other in the first 10 minutes of the game. And then I think the Saints sort of just went, huh, hang on, they're worse than us. Let's just (laughs) start picking goals. And they just went bang. And it was funny because Essendon just stayed crap pretty much the whole game. It was was, was awesome to watch. And what about number three
0: there?
1: Number three. The rules were introduced pre season. I wanted to have a little bit of a, uh, a roast of the rules. And I've, at round two, I, I mean, round one, I thought, hmm, how are the, I was going to give them a little bit of leeway to see how the rules were going to stack up. Skills are usually pretty poor in round one because everyone's a bit nervous. But round two, well, nothing's really changed other than the forward line and the back lines being more congested um so you know the midfield's got a bit more they've got a bit more space but nothing's really changed so all the the hoo ha and the the how many rules was it And there was nine rules that were brought in um it just it just seemed silly and i was actually i was really annoyed pre-season i was going to write this big open letter to arrogant gill and the afl um but i was i did a bit of research actually and apparently if you write these open letters like you can can backfire on you look a bit silly but oh you know I just wanted to say um and maybe Gil does he does he listen to this show Michaels I assume um, he does <laughs> I'm
0: pretty positive it's on high rotation for him at AFL
1: house yeah well here here we go I'll give a bit of a rant to, to Gil Gil don't treat us like fools yes we know that football attracts a lot of nuffies and you see some of these when, you know, the cheer squad members line up before the game for their reserve seats, etc. cetera. Um, so, yes, there's some strange units, but we're not all imbeciles. And the way that the nine rules, or however many there were, were introduced was just a disgrace. And I know that the AFL are essentially a private entity and we don't get to vote democratically, but the problem is the rules actually trickle down to all levels. So, essentially, Gill and the commission aren't just in charge of the league and with a bunch of rival leagues that can potentially have better rules, they simply own the game, the Australian football. So if they stuff it up, then what? Um, and then the infuriating part is that they claimed that all of the clubs signed off on it, but we're members. We didn't get asked, you know, any input. And, um, yeah, I just think that it's a disgrace that we as fans, the people who fund the game and make it what it is, don't get a say. Um And the ridiculous part is is whether you like the rule changes or not this time, the fact that a professional sport can have so many rule changes in a year is just alarming for the future and it makes the sport look just trivial and ridiculous. And so whenever you have one of these committees that are paid to justify their positions, this is what you get. So um, I think that we just have to make the game harder to change, whether it's via a constitution or like a public vote, I don't know. But I think that that committee should basically be just disbanded because I just don't think we need it. And I think we should just replace it with, you know, an open forum or a summit every four years and just discuss any tweaks to the game that we might have because it's it's embarrassing.
0: It is, and to to sort of back up your point there, one of the rules in particular, obviously one of the big focus ones is the 666, which I'm sure we're all sick to death of hearing by now. (laughs) Um, But on Twitter, Peter J. Higginbotham, um, I can't recall if he worked for Champion Data or something to do around that era anyway. He's heavily into the stats, and he has a chart running um, that sort of gives us the total average score per round over the X amount of years. So for round one 2018 the average combined score for each game was 177.7 points. And round one of 2019, it was 157.3, so well off the pace. And in round two, the average score in 2018 was 182.3. And in round two of 2019, the average score was 162.3. So both well down on their respective rounds the year before. Obviously, a bit of data still has to play up before we can probably make full-blown conclusions because there's obviously weather factors and all that kind of stuff. I get that, but it's already trending downward at an alarming rate. So it's like, at what point does it get to before the media start to acknowledge it? Because they're sweeping under the carpet, to be honest. Um, Yeah. yeah. And we're talking about on Twitter today. People might have seen it. But they're still trying to ram it down everyone's throat that it's, it's the greatest rule ever because um, there's high scores, but they're actually incorrect. I mean, there might be one or two games that have higher scores, but on average across the round they're all quite lower than usual. So yeah. it's just going to be interesting to see yeah, at what point in the year, if it keeps trending this way, that they actually start calling it out.
1: Yeah. Well, the joke is that they bring in the rules as a response to coaching tactics, but they just ignore the fact that the game evolves and For 150 years, or whatever it is, the coaches, the tactics the coaches have come up with sort of have ebb and flow, and there's always an incentive to score, and that is basically the team that scores the most points, kicks the most goals, wins the game. It's only in the history of the game is Carlton and the bloody Sheemans that try to lose. Everyone else (laughs)
0: tries to win. Exactly, and I still stand by my current theory, and that's that. With the runner not being able to go out into the ground, it's not allowing players to come off the ground for their de- designated rest time. So more players are on the ground for longer, which causes more fatigue, which causes more inaccuracy. So I can't mm. see it getting any better based off that. And I might be wrong, it might change, but just logically from a fitness standpoint and how that kind of all works, there's yeah they're out there for longer, more fatigue. Mm. So I, I can't see how it's going to improve.
1: Yeah,
2: well... I was going to say the the thing that I think the AFL should have done, and I agree one hundred percent with everything you've both said, um, is that I don't quite understand why the urgency to bring the rules in for for twenty nineteen. Um, for memory, they the sort of the, they were handed down what July August twenty eighteen. Um, I, I don't understand why you wouldn't just use this year's GLT series and maybe uh, you know your VFL and your NEFL, your quaffle, these these sort of things to trial the new rules to have a lot more data. To, to have a look at where are the teething problems going to be. And we saw it a few times in the GLT, you know, especially with the the six 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 infringement free kick issue that seems to take four hours for, for the, the game to get moving again. What's the key driver for doing it so quickly? And in, in every other sport, um, they say these are the rule changes and they're going to be coming in, you know, one year, two years in advance. It's never you know so late in the season it's going to come in next year it just doesn't happen it's, it's a fairly in my opinion fairly unprofessional approach by the AFL and and um, yeah a bit bewildering to be honest as, as what the driver is.
0: Yeah exactly I mean the main driver people have spoken about is money based on if more goals are kicked it's more commercials equals more money um, whether that's true or not we'll, we'll never know I guess but yeah I agree that it's unprofessional in the sense that it was only really tested on three vfl games and i think yeah. from memory they were in the bottom six so not really high quality outfits to test it against either um, it just doesn't make sense to rush into it like that when it changing uh such a big part of the game but i'm sure we could uh, yeah talk about that for hours on end but uh yeah they've, <laughs> they've made some epic mistakes but, but uh rock jobster what about your three things you learned from round two
2: um, well, the first thing I learnt is is when it comes to the midfield, it's quality over quantity. Um, you know, one of the big things, and Kaito touched on it before, is, is teams like Essendon and, and North. Um, you know, in the preseason, a lot of talk was around the, the sheer number of midfielders that they've got. Obviously, adding guys like Dylan Shield and Jared Pollock, um, but they were both beaten on the weekend for against teams that, on paper, probably don't have that same depth. Um, but it was the quality of players that stood out. Like Jay Gresham was was fantastic. He was the best player in the field against uh, the Dons, and and in that game. And and Lockie Neal was fantastic as well. But you know, you look at other guys like Jack Steele and and Nunes for St Kilda, and you look at. Um, um, guys like McCluggage and uh, and Jared Berry, you know, from Brisbane. I mean, these guys was just dynamic and creative in the game, and and obviously in both cases, um, you know, what you would have said of the preseason fancies in those games, they lost. So I think quantity, sorry, quality over quantity is is key in the midfield, and we'll probably discuss that as we go along uh, in our game from the from Thursday night. Um, the second thing, I guess, on a similar vein is the inside fifty count. Um, I was watch the, the Geelong-Melbourne game, and, and Geelong were, were so dominant, and I was so surprised when they, they uh, showed the stats at the end of that game, and I think um, the Demons had about 25 more inside 50s. So they absolutely dominated in that stat, yet we're, we're, we're done to the tune of 80 points in, in you know poor condition. So, um, and then is you that look the first at,
1: time we've... Sorry to interrupt. Is that the first time we've seen such a skew in that stat, the inside 50s to, to the points scored against that... That was insane.
2: I I wouldn't know, but it um it, yeah, it was crazy, wasn't it? And and I think it goes and it's a similar game I was gonna say the Giants and Eagles as well. I think um a similar vein. I think the Giants had about twenty odd more um inside fifties, but but the quality of, of the West Coast Eagles tolls and, and the delivery inside Ford fifty obviously you know, got the chocolates and they they won by fifty points. So it's just crazy. I think that there used to be that whole idea is that, you know, sheer volume of numbers you know, repeat entries and this sort of thing um, would eventually win the game, but it's it's proving at least early doors so that that might not necessarily be the case. Bad mm. kicking is bad football. This is true. Um, And I guess the last one is that no matter what the team is, we all start trying to think we can predict the end of the season by the end of round two. I've seen Saints fans and uh, Western Bulldogs fans thinking they're the legitimate shot for the premiership and uh, obviously us and some other teams that uh, we're going to be in the the bottom side. There's a lot lot to play out, but that doesn't stop us um, fans and and media personalities alike from trying to predict um, the way the rest of the year is going to go. So that's always fun to to monitor and uh, laugh at.
0: Very true. Uh, I'll go through my ones just quickly. Number one, we we are a genuine sneaky chance to break our own free kick differential record from last year. Uh, <laughs> number two, the umpires target and pay free kicks against certain players based on reputation and not the action. The, Sicily can be a dickhead on the field I'm not going to deny that but the one that was given to Shackey late in the game I was, I was there and it was happening in front of us he didn't. He honestly didn't do anything wrong um, and they paid that purely out of reputation I reckon and that's not fair because you could almost argue it cost them the game Um, And number three, as a Tiger fan, everything can feel okay again after a loss when you see other results like Essendon's, North's, and (laughs) Melbourne's. I I was pretty shitty from Thursday till about Saturday, and then when I saw these other results come through, I thought, you know what, it's not all that bad. We we aren't those (laughs) teams, and that's a good thing. (laughs) But speaking of our game, we'll... We do have to talk about the Richmond vs Collingwood game. So Richmond 10-6, 66, defeated by Collingwood 10, uh, sorry, 17-8, 110 by 44 points. And to be fair, it was probably lucky that it was only that amount. Uh, before I get your thoughts on the game, I'm going to read out some players' names. These are the players. We had 16 players with one tackle or less, which is just staggering. So these players had one tackle: Rioli, Vloston, Broad, Castagna, Kotchin, Higgins, Ellis, Markov. Lambert and Short and with the zero tackles we had Weller, Astbury, Edwards, Lynch, Martin and Rewalt. but Rewalt cut him some slack he obviously went down with the injury so fair play to him. Um, Cocho what did you make of the game and especially when you hear that list of players that didn't lay more than two tackles for the game?
1: Yeah well it was it was awful wasn't it and I'd actually made a few posts a bit negative before the game in regard to selection and um, there were a few guys like Rodney that kind of turned me around a little bit, and I was like, "Yeah, okay, I'm pretty interested to see how um, how we've actually addressed what happened in that, you know, the fateful preliminary final, um, and you know, which we've we've talked about all off season. Side bottom just running by himself, Mason Cox not being um, blocked from his run at the ball, the second ruck. We we basically did. Nothing as a as a coaching unit, and then what made it worse was then the effort wasn't there either. It was just a disaster on all parts.
0: Yeah, it was. And Rock, do you reckon I was a big, um, a bit annoyed about the dropping of Bolter? Not, I'm not saying at all he would have made the difference in the end result because he wouldn't have. But do you think we lost this largely at the selection table?
2: Uh, I I don't think we lost it at the selection table, as you said. I think, you know, firstly as poor as we was, Collingwood were, were fantastic, um, and they they came in with a plan and they executed it to a T. Um, but, you know, Balter, for, for me, I sort of said beforehand, I, I wasn't a big fan of that. I can under, understand why they dropped him to the VFL to use him as a back and get him some um, game time in that position. But having seen the VFL game, it was pointless. The, the ball hardly went inside 50 in that VFL match. But I would have thought that you would have played Bolter and then you could, you know, knowing that, that Collingwood's back line is, is fairly small, that you could probably swing him back, at, you know, as a plus one and and not really expose him to um, some of the, the the key players that he may have been subject to for playing someone else like a Jeremy Cameron or a Lance Franklin, um, these sort of, you know, elite forwards that he may have to play on in the future. I just thought it was just a really poor selection and, and especially when you take into account, you know, the second ruck, that was... Um, what rewalt for the majority of the night. Um, And as I think Wayne Kerry said, you don't use a Ferrari to play off field. And that's exactly what it was. You sort of, you lose, as smart as Jack is, and he did some nice things in the ruck, that's not where you want your vice or your your, your best forward to be, your Coleman mentalist forward to be. Um, Yeah, I thought we missed a trick on that one. Um, And you can go in further and, and say... Um, his ability to contest in the air around the ground and, and eliminate some of those contestant marks where, you know, guys like Mason Cox were sort of fairly dominant and certainly Brody who Brody was as well. Um, you know, I think that we we really miss an opportunity in that space, but also just the development of Noel Bolter, who I think is going to be an absolute star and I think a lot of people feel the same way and, and to have him drop back, um, you know, I thought it was the wrong move.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, you kind of touched on it, Joe. that one of the things I thought that we were very good at as a club was learning from the previous times we played teams when we lost. And yeah, to yep. literally come out and not show any lessons learned was probably the most disappointing part. Um, like our, obviously our big footy board went into meltdown naturally. And I think <laughs> vast majority of us don't mind losing. It's when there's no effort put in that it becomes a bit of an annoyance. And that's one of my biggest bugbears. And the lack of effort across the ground, there was only maybe a small handful of players that could hold their head up high. I mean, Kotchin tried his guts out all day What Jack Graham was good, I think he had 40-odd pressure acts, which was probably 20 higher than than the second place on on our team. So there's a few guys there that did their job, but the one guy that's... I I know it's only the round two, and he had an okay game round one, but Dustin Martin, I'm starting to get a little bit concerned, if I'm being honest. Zero tackles from two games, and even offensively, he's not looking as sharp as he has been. Is there anything to worry about, or am I being a bit too
1: over-the-top with this? I reckon it's a bit like the team as a whole. We looked like out of confidence and just scared and the whole thing. I mean, Dusty, round one, he looked like he had a real point to prove and he was trying to bust out of. You know, he just would not handball. And he was just getting tackled and just holding the ball every time. And it seemed like he was just desperate to get his 2017 form back. But then, as soon as that game finished, he just... Yeah, well, a, a game against um, Collingwood, he was just terrible, wasn't he?
2: Well, he, I was surprised. I I didn't think he attended too many centre bounces, but I think it was a post. Uh, I, I'm not sure who it was from. I'm sure it was an Essendon supporter that said um, he he attended 22 centre bounces, which was uh, 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 behind Koch and the second most for the team. So to have zero tackles where you're in a contested situation. Uh even though that yes, there is six six six, but still and I think there was only one recorded one percent on, which is, you know, also concerning. I oh, that's to be honest with you, it's just it's just not good enough really from from a player you're paying that much money to. You've clearly made the centre piece of your team. Um there's gonna be some concerns. I look I can understand he got the ball Round one, obviously, what, 30-odd possessions, you know, in a low-possession game for us and heavily tagged to get 18. You know, that's that's not concerning. But it, it's the things that make Dustin Martin elite that he hasn't done the first two games, which has to be concerning. Hopefully, it's just, you know, form and a little bit down in confidence, and, and that's it. And, and, you know, he'll slowly work his way back up to, to what we know he can be and, and how dominant he can be. But there's got to be some concerns um, with the way he's playing currently.
0: Yeah, Definitely, and it, it could just be a whole team thing, and I, I really hope that is the case. Um, but even watching him, you know, the moment the ball goes up, this is this could be potentially coaching instruction as well. But he just runs forward of the ball offensively, and the opposition just play through his man effectively. Um, and mm. I sometimes feel like that our game plan with the high pressure it kind of needs to have everyone buying in on it for it to work. If one person doesn't do their job in that game plan, it falls apart. Um, and I don't know, I'm kind of feeling like he's not pulling his weight defensively, but maybe we're being too harsh and he'll, it's a team thing and they'll turn it around. But I think mm-hmm. he's definitely one to keep an eye on And if there is niggling injuries or whatever, just rest him. Let him get himself right and get back out there because yeah, you don't want to mess with his form this early
1: on and, and have him deteriorate for the rest of the year. Mm. But did you think that, that our whole midfield did that? we just ran one way and Collingwood ran the other way and they just kept getting the ball and there was no correction during the game. It was just, it was like stubbornness, the whole, the whole game from the coaching side of things to the players. It was just, Oh, we're getting, we're getting one result and we're doing this, this thing. So let's just keep doing it. And we'll just hope that the result changes, but it, it was clear that it wasn't.
2: Yeah. I think i got to agree with that. I think, um, we obviously play it as our own defense, but we use that to really attack, you know, from the the small guys and and the forwards up. But I think um, Jimmy Bartel had a, a pretty good analysis of it earlier this week. We just kept folding back, folding back, folding back, and Collingwood just were able to pick their way through. And so, you know, there's there's obviously some new players that are still you know rusty, and like Castagna and Lynch, and new guys like Lynch and and Mav as well, who are going through that forward line, who are still learning our system. But if that's the case and you're starting to get on top of that field, especially when you've only registered, what, 33 tackles, or it would have obviously have been less you know, at the end of the first quarter and, and the second quarter, this, those numbers would be down. Why not revert to man-on-man? You know, why not try and kick-start them and say, look, just go at the ball, go at your man, tackle, be aggressive. Don't worry about the, the, the structure and, and that sort of thing. That'll take care of itself as the season goes on. But right now, let's get our aggressiveness back. Um, let's get back what it means to be a Richmond player. And I think that's what I'm most disappointed of um, from Thursday night's game is, you know, what we pride ourselves on, we let ourselves down. Um, and and I don't see why we we didn't change that aspect of it when we could. I think it was a huge letdown from the coaching staff.
1: Yeah, definitely I definitely agree. In, as you were saying earlier, um, Rock, that without Bolter in the team, it meant that I think our coaching team in Richmond overall, we're sort of we're nervous about having even numbers because we know that we can't compete in the air. So when Collingwood were chipping it around, Collingwood have just got a win-win. So if we if if we don't have the numbers in and, and all those boys ready to mop up when they go long down the line, well. As soon as we push up and go man on man, then they just kick it long to you know Cox or Grundy or whoever it may be, and then we get beaten that way. So uh, mm. that that non-selection was was just a double-edged sword of just disaster for us. I think.
0: Yeah, it was crazy. But the, the best thing about footy at this time of year is that there is always next week, as the saying goes. Uh, but unfortunately for us, we've got the Giants this week who uh, <laughs> who are a pretty handy team, as we all know, and we're playing over there. It's, it's going to be... It's a big game. For me, the big thing I want to see from us is how we respond. Um, like we've said, the effort wasn't there last week and we can't afford to do the same thing again this week. And if we happen to go down because of lack of personnel, I'm okay with that as long as the boys are having a crack and playing the brand of football, we know they can play because it does hold up. Um, and that brand of footy probably can be sustainable with the outs we have um especially thankfully we've got another fort in Tom Lynch there but rock what's your thoughts on the game this week against the giants what do we have to do to get over the line
2: um well i think sort of to tag on to your point i think the response is almost more important than the result to be honest um even if we lose um as if we show what it means to be a Richmond player and and you know be hard at the ball, win the contested footy where we, we can or certainly not be dominated as, as what we were on, on Thursday night, you know, tackle like we know we should and we can. Um, I think that's more important than, than the result. It's a long season, but we've got to make sure we're doing what we know we can do. Um, I think, I mean, G- Giants midfield just looks scary on paper, even without Callan Ward. And you, they get Callie back this week um, just to add to it, but Caniglio or Canelio has been fantastic. Um, really like what Tarano showed this year, I think it's his third year and he's really started to to lift. Um, really like the the hardness of guys like Jake Hopper and, and Matt DeBoard, sort of a, an unrated sort of player that goes through there, plays more of a d- defensive role. But that unit just seems so complete to me. And then you add guys like um, you know, Lockie Whitfield that can just um, run off that, deliver the ball on a, on a silver plate to some really good forwards. Um, it all starts for them, in my opinion, in the midfield and, and I think that that's where the game will be won and lost. Whoever can get on top um, in that, that area of the ground is, is going to come away um, with the best chance of winning the game.
0: And Cotcho uh out for four weeks. How do you think we go about replacing him? How do you see this game unfolding?
1: Um, well, we can't replace him, can we? He's he's a gun, um, a bit like Rance. Uh, I think structurally we'll be okay, but again, it all goes back to we haven't we haven't seen it because well, Rance went down round one, and then it was all about oh how are we going to go structurally? But then we just didn't put any effort in. So I guess this is the the first week that we're going to get to see. All right, well, now now how do we play structurally? And it'd be good for um, for Hardwick to look at what he did, the difference between 2016 to 2017, and, and it's been written in the books and talked about. And that was all about enjoying footy and having a smile and actually doing the hard thing. So I reckon, I don't know, were we too caught up in this whole thing, this idea of redemption or this garbage against Collingwood? Do we need to just go, right, guys, let's go and enjoy doing the, um, what do they call it, play the Richmond way. Let's let's have fun and just, I think that's the only way that we're going to beat GWS, especially with those, Yeah, you know, with Jack out and, and Ranci out. Yeah, I think it's a good
0: call. Go back to basics and just enjoy yourself again. I mean, that's what got us to to the flag, so why wouldn't you try and replicate that? Uh, just yeah. on the the Giants midfield, Kelly coming back in, I think he's one of the best young players in the competition. I know people sort of tout Cripps as, you know, the best young player, but he's good in a shit team. No disrespect to Carlton, or maybe a little bit. Um, but Kelly is a, <laughs> is a gun in a good side. Um, he, the things he does is just ridiculous. So he comes back in. I'm assuming we're going to have to send someone like Jack Graham or Kane Lambert to him. Would that be the go-to? Like you can't let him run around by himself like we did with Sidebottom.
2: bottom. I think so. Um, and especially when you're coming off, you know, knee and hip injuries, I think, um, and for such a damaging player that he is, that you need someone to, to sit on him and, you know, not do anything untowards or anything illegal or, or out of spirit of the game. But just, you know, to always be there to lay a body and to tackle hard and these things to make sure that he, he feels, um, you know, the rigors of AFL football. And and whether that is, I think it'll be more likely Jack Rame than a Kane Lambert, who sort of traditionally come in as the plus one to a stoppage, um, you know, coming off the back of the square, for example, um, or maybe—and I know I'm going to probably get a, a, a fistful of uh, negativity for saying this—but even a guy like Brandon Ellis, who, who's got the um, the 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 tank to go with someone like Kelly um, and has a strong body, whether or not he uses it is a different question, but <laughs> but just, just to, to run with him and, and make him, you know, feel the presence for the, the whole four quarters of the game. Um, I think that that's the way you have to go because side bottom's a great example um, and, um, and there's been some others that we've played against, you know, the last couple of years that these guys can get away from us and really have a huge impact on the game.
1: Would you boys point? tag... Um... Would you guys go for Whitfield or Kelly first if you could only choose one? Oh, I'd go I would Kelly. go
2: Whitfield. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's the problem, isn't it? Cuz Whitfield he said so Kelly, can you even block him out of the game if you have someone on him? Whereas Whitfield did I mean, I haven't watched too many Giants Giants games. I've seen Whitfield just running around doing his own thing. Is that his work ethic or did a club sort of just forgetting about him?
2: Um, I think what makes it hard for him is that they they do uh, they do a lot to sort of free him up from what I can, can see. And, you know, they've, they've got guys like Nick Haynes who didn't play around one and have sort of swung forward, I think, against the, the Eagles. But traditionally, guys like him, he sure is another one. Um, they've had a few other guys like um, Zach Langdon, I want to say, or Zach Williams. Um, and who's the, the guy who went to Fremantle?
0: Uh, Rory Lobb.
2: No, no. Uh, MacArthur? Uh,
1: oh, well, that's Wilson.
2: That's Na- Na- Nathan Wilson. Um, Williams and Wilson, I think, were the other two. So they've got other guys, and I think they just, they've just found a way to manufacture it to make um, uh, well, not Whitfield um, sort of be the extra sort of guy. But I would tag him just because he can be so damaging, and, and he is a guy that can break lines. And, and you know, the style of football that, that GWS have played, you know, this really smooth-moving sort of... Game style, Kelly undoubtedly helps, but helps that. But I think um, Whitfield's the kind of, um, you know, the pinnacle of that when they're up and running. He's he's doing those sort of things. But geez, that's a hardcore to make. <laughs> yep. Yeah,
0: I think you just have to play, just see how it goes, and just adjust accordingly. I think, but. Um... Yeah. From a Tiger perspective, obviously with Rewalt out for four weeks, I mean, thank God we did sign Tom Lynch, and it's still a little bit surreal to me that he even plays for us, if I'm being honest. It just seems odd that he's out there. Um, But how important does he become now, and especially given his lack of preparation and match fitness, um, the whole load of the forward line goes onto his shoulders now. How do we want him to respond?
1: I think the same way that we probably asked him to play from the very beginning and that's just provide a contest and not get too um, sort of overwrought with trying to do too much and and be the man, even though now he is the man. So he's just got to play his part.
2: Well, the other thing too, I mean, as good as Phil Davis is is as a defender, he doesn't have that physical presence like Lynch does. So I think there's a real advantage and and I can't see anyone on on the – Giants, um, backline, um, guys like Layson and um, and uh, young Sam Taylor. Um, none of those guys seem to be a really great pound-for-pound matchup for Tom Lynch. And look, there, there, there isn't too many in the AFL full stop. That's why he's so good. Um, but I, I'm really hoping for Lynch that it's going to sound a little bit um, uh, glasses half full or glasses fully empty sort of way of looking at things. But maybe without Rewalt there, he's going to be able to speed up his understanding um, of how we play and, and how the the backs and midfields uh, interact with the, the forward line and, and entries inside Ford 50 and really start to really enhance that connection um, between those two elements of the game more so or at a quicker rate than he might have done with Rewalt there. Um, so I'm hoping for that as much as anything. But, yeah, I have to agree with Kotjo, especially we're probably going to come in you know, with a similar sort of game style, with you know three or four small, um, small guys in the forward line, um, you have to bring it to ground. You have to give them a chance to to put pressure on when the ball hits the deck and um, and and obviously um, crumb and and score that way. So he's got a huge, uh, huge responsibility um, this weekend.
0: And we've got a few other. I mean, obviously Rio and Grimes are forced changes. Grimes with just a bit of a brain fade, unfortunately. Um, do you reckon there'd be any other outs based on bad form, Cocho?
1: Uh, whether the coaching team don't want guys that are going to panic under pressure like Alison Markov, um, which was a bit worrying last week. But I guess this is what I, one of the things that you notice is that these guys that are fringe players, when your stars are playing well, they all of a sudden become champions as well and when your good players are down it really exposes those guys that can be a bit fumbly and nervous so whether uh, someone like Alice or Markov might get the chop as well but I don't know I I guess bolter in for Rewalt is almost a given I'd say Um, otherwise I don't know the other name thrown yeah, pro- around
0: was obviously Garthwaite for Grimes, potentially. Is that? Do we, I, I think apparently he had ice on his hamstring late in the VFL game last week, but if we assume that that's all okay and checks out, would you bring Garthwaite in and get him into it straight away?
2: Yep. Yeah, I would. <laughs> oh, I, th- I think he's going to be an absolute star, to be honest with you. And, and um, you know, Rance is obviously out for the year, and I think that if we've got any chance um towards the point of the end of the year you've got to get games in, into someone like Garthwaite to to really hold down that spot and you know what he's played, you know, two senior games, you can get that up to, you know, twenties, twenty five. Um, you know, that's that's only gonna be a positive. So I think you have to bring him in.
1: And we gotta look at the um, what we did well in two thousand and seventeen and that was get some enthusiasm into the place and having some of these kids given the responsibility and the, we've seen that with Geelong have done it really well the first two rounds um, uh, Port did it quite well the first week it, you know sometimes you can actually put in these fresh faces and just you know throw them in and and see how they go so i think yeah definitely
0: and what about our small forwards a lot's been spoken about with Butler's performance over the first two rounds and Castagna was very rusty on his return last week um, how long do we persist with both of them in the same side? And is someone like Bolton going to bash down the door and make his way in? Because from all reports, he had a pretty good game in the VFL last week.
2: Um, I, well, I think of, of that tree. I think Waller might be the one that, that goes back. I felt that he's a very similar player for mine to Castagna, and so far as you know, he's, he's a, he sort of leads up the ground a little bit. Um, you know, sort of hits into the midfield more than a, a Butler type. Um, but I I went to the I saw the first half of the VFL game and I was so impressed with with Jake Arts and, and especially Liam Baker and um and for for me those two guys come in if you can uh, whether that's for Butler who has been poor from probably JLT one to be honest um, or Castagne, who I'm. Prepare to give a bit of a mulligan to knowing it's his first game back. But you know, you know, with guys like that, they're just going to tackle hard. There's going to be, you know, tough nuts and and that sort of. Considering the performance we put on on Thursday night against the Pies, I think that that you have to sort of bring. I think you have to bring one of those two guys in, um, and I hope that they do. And there's a bit of a rumor going around that Arts might be the guy for Butler. Red somewhere today, so um, it may actually occur.
0: Okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean. I'm a big fan of rewarding form as well, uh, and Butler's had two cracks at it, and yeah, he's done some good defensive things, but offensively hasn't really been huge for us. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they do make any additional changes on top of the forced ones. But uh, yeah, tough, tough week to be a selector, I think. But do we know we... any
1: more? Do we know any more information on Caddy? Is he, is he ready?
2: I think he is set to play. Um... By all reports, whether it's a – I think it might only – I'm not sure if it's going to be a half or a game. Um, I, My guess would be it will be in the twos. I just – I think you bring in Lynch, who was rusty, obviously, around one. You bring in Castagna around two, who was rusty. To have sort of three of those guys, if you had Caddy all within the forward line, as good as Caddy was last year, as important as he is, I think, moving forward, that's, that might just be carrying one too many guys who are trying to work their way back into it. I'd, I'd probably bet my money on him going – coming back into the VFL. Yeah, fair enough.
0: Yeah, I think, I think it's a fair call. And the other one, uh, where's Townsend at? Because his name's been thrown around as well on our board. We obviously love him for what he did to Jake Lever in the, in the grand final. <laughs> is he still injured? What's what's his status?
2: Um, I think he played a half in the VFL two weeks ago against is the Northern Blues or Carlton's affiliate. Um, and I think he played the full game um on on thursday and to be honest it looked pretty good played him more as an inside bid um with with collier dawkins and jack ross who two guys who um i think certainly jack ross might uh might get a look in sooner rather than later uh, but yeah he played into that inside midfield role. and I, I think you know if you're going to remove a guy like Weller, then townsend might be you know the the guy that you can bring in because you know what he's going to bring don't you you know he's got the understanding of the forward line. You know he's got the now sub- and ability to kick goals, but you know he's going to bring that pressure and that that tackling intent that that was lacking against the Pies. So um, he might be another that comes in as well. And some spirit. Absolutely.
0: Oh, I'd love to see him in. I really like what he brings to the table, and especially... With no revolt there, we obviously found last year when we had Riewoldt and Townsend together, it seemed to work... Sorry, in 2017, it seemed to work pretty well. So, like you said, he understands what he has to do. He's happy to play his role, doesn't care if he's not up in lights, but he can also be re- relied upon to kick a goal. So it'd be interesting to see if they do drop him in there this week. Uh, before we finish up, we had a, a question come through from one of the listeners on Twitter, from Rhett Weeks. Um, I'll put it to both of you. How many games do you see us winning in the next four weeks without Rebolt? So we obviously have the Giants this week. Then we have Port Adelaide away, Sydney at Marvel, and then Melbourne on Anzac Eve. Cocho. how many of those do you reckon were a chance to win?
1: Well, we're a chance in all of them, really. Um, four would be perfect. Um, <laughs> I think, realistically, we're looking at two. Um I'd be pretty disappointed if we only won one of those. I think Sydney, we should definitely beat. They've been awful. Um, Port Adelaide, I think that we should beat. Um, And then Melbourne and um, GWS will be big tests. You just
0: know that Melbourne are going to set themselves for that game.
1: Oh, it's their grand final, yeah. 100%. Rock,
0: Rock, Rockwood about yourself? What do you think those four games could look like for us without Jack?
2: I think they're all possible. Um, and especially, you know, as you said before, you get Tom Lynch, it's sort of there's a bit of light there that there may not have been um, if this was the case sort of in, in 2017, 2018. So I, I, I agree. I think we're a chance in all four. I, I don't think we'll we'll go perfect in that stretch. I, I do think it'll be something like 2-2. Um, I think we should beat Port, even though it's over there. We should beat Sydney, um, and you know Melbourne have been poor the last two weeks, but um, a lot can change, you know, in in four weeks of football. So um, yeah, I think if we get two two, that'll be good, um, and uh, and then obviously welcome Jack back, and and I think um, we'll be setting ourselves for a really good push towards the, the end of the season.
0: Yeah, I'd be happy with two two as well. I think that would be a good platform to set ourselves for the second half of the year with Jack coming back. Although I'm a little bit sceptical that four weeks is going to turn into six. I just feel like we might have underplayed it a little Mm. bit, and we tend to err on the side of caution a lot with these injuries. which is I've got no issue with that, Um, but I'm just not sold on it being four, so we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, two and two would be a good result from that. All right, before we let you go, guys, we'll get a tip including margin. Uh, Rock Jobster, we'll start with you. What's the tip and margin for this week?
2: Uh, I think we'll show an improved effort. I think we'll be very competitive for the majority of the game, but I think GWS, just you know, some of the players that they've got, the fact that at their their home patch, I think they'll win by three or four goals.
1: And Cacho. Oh, I'm pretty similar to that. I think GWS by 25.
0: Yeah, unfortunately. And Makeshift is not going to be happy about the three of us not tipping Richmond, but it's just the hard cold facts that we're really not likely to win this game if we're basing it off last week. It's going to take a remarkable turnaround and performance for us to win. Not saying we can't do it, um, but the evidence isn't there just yet. So yeah, I reckon we might go down by two or three goals. But I suppose we're all more than happy to be proven wrong. But um I oh, just yeah. hope we see
1: we're, we're just we're just negative campaigners.
0: We are. <laughs> we are and it's probably not going to be popular opinion but uh we like to keep it real on the show we don't like to just uh you know toot our own horn all the time sometimes you do have to be brought back down to earth and unfortunately we're playing average at the moment but we can yeah, turn it does. around and it would be nice to see us do that all Right. so rock Jobster, thanks for coming on for your first show and kotro thanks for coming back on hopefully you can break that uh bad luck charm we can get a win this week and if we do we'll, we'll even just get you one as an extra guest so you can come on to a winning episode for once yes <laughs> perfect <laughs> Uh, all right, thanks for Gavin. your time, guys. Until next time, go Tigers!
1: Thanks, Mike. go Tigers.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Big Tigercast. Tiger Cast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roast and toast, the reviews and previews, and all topics for Richmond. Also, keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go Tigers!